Hello, and welcome to Matt and Brett Love Comics. This is one of your hosts, Brett. And this is your other host, Matt. We switched it up and went backwards that time. Oh, well, so now we have to rebrand the show. Oh, man. For this one episode, we have to rebrand. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can, we'll, we'll make this happen. Uh, I gotta burn all these t-shirts I made then. Whoa, we have t-shirts. Well, no, no, now we don't. Okay, good, yeah. Which is actually accurate, we do not have t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, happy Labor Day. Same to you. Um, here we are, in the present day, to talk about a comic from the past. That's right. Um, <laughs> this is uh, one of my favorite, personally one of my favorite, uh, sort of... Uh, fictional story tropes is time travel. So I was very excited uh, when this was, uh, when a, a person who looked like the three of us, three people showed up to us in present day and gave us this comic and said we had to read it. Uh, and we asked them what was going on and then they disappeared. <laughs> and we never knew what happened. No, we never knew what happened. But I got a good idea after we read this book. Yeah. Uh, today we are reading Time Breakers number one through five uh, from 1997 from the Helix imprint, the short-lived Helix imprint from DC Comics. Yep. Um, by Rachel Pollock and Chris Weston. Yeah, okay. very uh, early, uh, early Chris Weston work here. Uh, we are reading this today because we are joined by our good, good bud, our good bud, Nicole Dressball. Hello. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Did you almost call me special and then think better of it? No, well... <laughs> Was that it? Was there a? T- I felt like there was an SP that got out there and then was immediately taken back. <laughs> I mean, well, it's not like this was recorded. It's not like we can go back in time and listen. No, time only moves forward. Does it? Yeah. Is that the message of this? No, that is absolutely not the message. <laughs> the opposite of the message. Uh, so Nicole came to us a while ago, like months ago. Yeah. And pitched us this book. So I want to know what. What was your older version wearing when she came to tell you to pick this book? Probably an old navy t-shirt. <laughs> Usually a good guess. She yep. wasn't wearing cool padded shoulder pads and bicycle shorts? She did have a white streak in her hair. Okay. Um, so yeah, so what is, what is the origin of this and your picking of this? I read about it on Wikipedia. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, that sounds cool. That's the the Venn diagram overlap of stuff that I think is cool. This is in it. Just like time travel, stuff written by women, and stuff where people's job is a cool thing. Okay, yeah. It it either takes place in a school or it's like a workplace thing about a cool job. I'm usually on board. Did you like news radio? I've never really watched news radio. Chris loves it. Because that's a cool job. They work in public radio. I don't know why that was my first jump. That was interesting. <laughs> um, so, well, like, that's that's a very um, exciting story. Yep. Is it? No, um, it's not. <laughs> I thought so. I was interested. Attention to it, right? Yeah, th- I mean, this is not, like, this is also, uh, we had to track this down. This was hard, a little bit harder to find because it's never been reprinted. Right. Uh, and, I mean, 1997 is an interesting year because that's kind of, that's when, that is when the shit went down in comic books in general. Yeah. I mean, like, 97 is when all the excess of the 90s kind of crashed. Um, 1996, it was, was it like, right around 96 was when they signed the contracts for Liefeld and 
Chin Lee to come back and overtake part of Marvel's uh, Marvel's franchises with the Heroes Reborn situation, uh, which itself had sprung out of basically moves by the board uh, that was currently in charge of Marvel to uh, exploit them for any money possible uh, as quickly as they could because of all of the sort of boardroom warring that was going on uh, that, that, uh, that almost caused Marvel to collapse. Yeah. So I don't know what DC was looking like at that time. Um, but obviously they were looking to the future. Yeah. I mean, the good thing about DC at this point, though, too, is they were already owned by Warner's. Uh, so they had, they had a pretty stable, you know, business entity behind them and backing them. So even when things sort of collapsed the way that they did, um, I think if you go back and look, you can see that, uh, DC books all still sort of maintained the, uh, the level of quality that they had already had there. Um, and also they were they clearly had done well enough because they wound up buying Wildstorm Entertainment from Jim Lee yeah. uh, just uh, about a year and a half after this. Yeah, and also, I mean, this is also part of their Helix imprint, which was like their um, their like future facing comics. Like, wasn't Transmetropolitan was immediate, was initially? Uh, it was, yeah, and you know, it's it's funny too. That's such a like late nineties thing. Everyone was like, you know, if it faced the future, anything with the word millennium in it. Um, little did we all know we'd be living in a willennium instead after oh. Will Smith claimed it for his own. Yeah. How how forth forward thinking of him. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so yeah, so t- Time Breakers, uh, I mean, they're creative team, but Rachel Pollock is who took over from Grant Morrison on Doom Patrol is the only thing that I know her work from. Yes. Uh, and I'm not even really familiar with where either of these creators ended up after Timebreakers. Oh, Chris Weston? Yeah. Oh, no, he's good. That's at the beginning of the universe, right? Yes. Oh, they, they went to the beginning of everything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, to populate everything. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Chris Weston, by the way, was the artist on The Twelve, the JMS miniseries oh. for uh, for Marvel. So that's recent. Yeah, he also did uh, Ministry of Space with Warren Ellis. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's he's been around for a while, and I think he was, was or is still, like, primarily um, a, a British artist for, like, British imprints in European books. Okay, that makes sense. Uh... Oh, he did The Filth. I'm looking at it on my bookshelf right now. He was also the artist on The Filth. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Nicole, do you want to run us through the premise? Oh, boy. Of Time Breakers. Sure. So there's an organization called the Time Breakers, and their job is to make sure that certain paradoxes in time called time loops happen. Is that right? Are they called time loops? What yeah, I believe. time paradoxes? Yeah. I'm not sure, after reading five issues, that I understand why. <laughs> well, the, the idea was that... 
after reading this, I kept thinking to myself, I feel like Matt's going to have to clarify stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but that was... Well, what, what, I, what, what seems to be happening here is the idea, the idea that I saw here was that there is, uh, time is slowly collapsing backwards on itself yeah. because there is a great paradox that has yet to happen. Uh, and the time breakers know this and are trying to find where and when that happens so that that paradox, they believe that it's going to happen at the beginning of creation yeah. or at the beginning of, of life on earth. So they, they have a fortress set up there uh, so that they can monitor the activity and hope that it, it will happen on or near that place. And as they're trying to figure that out, uh, time is slowly eating itself backwards uh, uh, from the end of time towards the beginning. Mm -hmm. And if they don't figure out how to create this paradox, which will then create life, uh, then all life will cease to exist. And this is based on a theory that they mentioned early in the miniseries that um, events are not as cause and effect based as we all believe that they are. In fact, events happen in the future and then uh, uh, are forced to be created by creating a backwards ripple effect through time. So Doc Brown was wrong. Right. This is, a, this is an alternate theory uh, <laughs> uh, to Doc Brown's own theories. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's, it's a heady concept. Did we, uh, Nicole, are you there? Oh, I'm here. <laughs> you just got real quiet. I know. Cause my head hurts. I don't know why I spent so much time thinking about time travel. <laughs> because when it finally happens, you'll be ready. Right. So, right. Uh, Nicole, what is your background with time travel? Like, did you, um, so you, you, you did not pick this because of its time travel elements. You picked no, it because I of its... did. I okay. did. Time travel is a thing I keep doing to myself. <laughs> it's like, uh. so interesting. But then, I can, but I can't, I always want to know the very, I can't just, you know, follow the story. I want to know the very specific details of the how. But there is no how, because it's all made up. Because if it wasn't all made up and full of crap, then we would have done it in real life by now. It's true. But what if we well, already have done it? Right? What if I told you I am from the past? Uh, okay. What? So now, do you what? feel... What was that? Do you feel, uh... Was that a time traveler? Something, yeah. Somebody just opened a time machine in this Skype conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I just heard a giant, like, whooshing. Okay, that was weird. I, I, I thought it would be dramatic, and I opened my balcony door as we were discussing that. <laughs> um, what's that? Did you really? Yeah. Oh, that's hysterical. Well, okay. you, got, you got the two of us. Yeah. Great. Um... <laughs> Well, so, so then let me ask you this. Uh, Nicole, your own thoughts and theories on time travel. Do you feel that should time travel exist, you can go forwards and backwards in time? I do, right, right. Because one of the theories is that if it does happen, we'll eventually be able to move 
forward but not backward, or at the very least, we'll never be able to go back past the point where a time machine was invented, right? Yeah. Like, the most likely theory says that. I don't know, because here's the number one determination in any time travel story. Are there or are there not alternate timelines? Yeah. Right? I mean, my world's theory. Yeah. I mean, my personal theory about time travel is that every time you go back in time, you just create an alternate timeline. That's what I think. So that's why I feel like every single time, like, I mean, the X-Men do this all the time, where you have to go back in the past to change something to affect your future. But, like, from my understanding of time travel, that will never, that doesn't happen. You're just going back in time and therefore just creating an alternate timeline. So your shitty timeline still exists, and all the people that you're wanting to save from your shitty timeline are still gonna be, you know, in the shitty timeline, because you can't erase it. Brett, in your mind, once you go back in time, you can never return to the uh, timeline that you left? Uh, well, I mean, are you traveling... Oh, jeez, this is painful. I know! I mean, is in, in a fictional world, yeah, sure, it's kind of like... If you view the entire multiverse as just, like, a big map, and if uh, Dimension th- dimension 3 Smyrna, Tennessee is where you're traveling from, and you're going back to... Uh, okay, hold on. To, year 2013, Dimension 3 Smyrna is where you're tra- your, your originate, and then you would travel back to 1955 Dimension 3 Smyrna, which would then create... A 2013 Dimension 4 Smyrna, as, but that Dimension 3 2013 Smyrna is still there. So you can still go back there because it still exists? But did you, did you change it by going back to 1950-whatever? No, I don't think you... I am from... The way I would, the way I would write time travel, just because there's the only way I can wrap my head around it, is like, I don't think you would. I don't think you would change it. I don't... That, that changing a past event will not change your present. It merely only opens the door... For a new alternate present yeah. to exist where that change has been made. Okay, okay. Like, at the okay. end of Back to the Future 2, there are, like, just, what, three different versions of 1985 flying around. Mm-hmm. Is what I would say. Instead of, like, that one, that shitty one where Biff is having sex with Marty's mom. Still there's, there's 85 Prime, there's yeah. 85 Biff. And 85, uh, the, the new one that they... The third one that they create to try and get it back to as close to normal as possible. 85 McFly. Yeah. Well, actually, technically, I guess then uh, there's uh, a fourth one, right? Okay. Because at the end of... The first one, right? At the end of the first one, the one that they leave... Jeez. At the beginning of the second one is would be 1985 McFly. It's just so right? much clutter, you know? It's so much clutter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um... So, but we get into uh, we get into the crazy time travelness in 1958 mm-hmm. in in New York, right? Yeah. Even though I thought it was England, just because I read the name Attenborough. Oh sure. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, Richard Attenborough. I don't know. <clears throat> uh, and we meet a a woman who has uh, who is 23, Angela Angela Attenborough. She's 23. She's already married to a righteous asshole. Um, yeah, he's a douche. Yeah, uh, and they're pressuring him to. They're pressuring her to just start having children because that's what women do. Um, but guys, she wants something more. She does. 
And, you know, it's always a great way to uh, talk someone into doing anything is by strong-arming them or literally grabbing them by the arm and getting mad. Yeah. Nicole, you read this part. What was going through your head? Which part? The first part? Oh, yeah. When we, when we first opened the story, and here's this, here's this J.O. Talking, uh, talking to his wife uh, the way that he is and treating her the way that he is. Honestly, my first thought was, did she go to Wellesley? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Because she did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So you were right. I know. <laughs> um, she runs out into the woods and she finds uh, three time breakers. Um, right. The Greek guy. Yeah. The guy who looks like a pirate member of D Light. He looks like Henry VIII. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then pirate member of D Light. I don't know. It's those glasses and those red pants. <laughs> oh, I guess he's also not a pirate either. That was... I'm very uncultured. Uh, um, and then what we find out is her future self. Yeah. Um, and they give her a little uh, doodad, basically. Right. And say, use it for your crimes. Yeah. Also, were they... Um, are they planting... Because she says, like, she's like, what are my crimes? Right. And then she goes about committing some crimes. So I yeah. guess they were planning that in her brain. Yes. Okay, so Nicole. Yeah. Future version of you comes, and I guess you also don't recognize it's a future version of you because right. Angela doesn't. Right. She gives you a weird compact disc-looking doodad and says, commit your crimes. What do you do? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I wouldn't become a jewel thief. Like, I'll tell you that. <laughs> like she does. Yeah. But it's like jewel thievery. It's not one of those crimes where you... It's not like a Robin Hoodie crime. It's just like a regular old run of the mill crime. Yeah. And what do you have to show for it? Just more jewelry that you have to keep up with? Yeah. <laughs> more clutter. Yeah, yep. more stuff. <laughs> Matt, what would you do? What crimes would you go for? Oh, man. Would I actually... Com- well... Man, that's a really good question. I feel like I would, uh, I, I feel like I'd create crimes of knowledge. I would, I would break into places to learn. Like, I would try to get access to the places that uh, they claim don't exist. Area like, do they just announce that Area Fifty One does yeah. exist? I but, would try to find a way in there. I would want to get into. I would want access to like. FBI documents and like deep classified documentation. Well, this is what Angela finds out because she, her husband, she knows her husband is up to, she's a scientist doing something shitty and she finds out that he is uh, making people sick in order to then invent the cures and make money off of it. Yeah. Right? Um, and that's when she's just like, fuck this, shades down, I'm out of here, jewel thief time. Chucking the deuces, she's yeah. out. Uh, did she break into their home? I think no, like, she was she was sleeping upstairs. Yeah, in their home. I yes. guess they just have a cop hanging around. Right, but yeah, so they sleep in separate places. Like that's fine. I I buy that. It's the fifties or whatever. But then the fact that like rather than go in and see if it's the other person who lives in the house, he called the cops immediately. Yeah, <laughs> it does seem odd, right? Yeah. 
Maybe, I mean, who knows how important they are? Maybe there was a cop nearby. Maybe he's having sex with the cop. Oh! Most logical explanation. Yeah, he's, yeah, so there we go. He was having a cop bang. Yeah. He was copulating. Yeah, that's, there you go. That's why that term exists. That's the, that's the origin of the word. Um, so then, then we, I mean, we get a, I don't know, if we try and go through every single beat of this plot, it's gonna be a long podcast. Right. Um, and, oh, fuck, I'm trying to even wrap my head around, uh, even ex- summarizing it is kind of hard. Well, the basic, <laughs> the basic gist of the story is that the time breakers have always existed and never existed because they have created their own existence by coming back from the future to the past to recruit themselves into this organization using knowledge that they had already created and gone back to give to themselves to invent. Uh, And the way they explain it is that um, they, they, for example, they created Hamlet uh, because they took a copy of Hamlet back in time to William Shakespeare and uh, strongly encouraged him to copy it and distribute it. So then Hamlet was created, but Hamlet was created by already existing. Yeah. It was created by, um, what's his name? I'm uh, Hamilton, right? Hamilton. Yeah. Nicole being a huge Shakespeare buff. what do you think of that? I don't, well, I'm cool with it. I thought that was interesting. But my problem is like, so does that mean every, like, what is the difference between things in history that just happened and things in history that had to be paradoxed? How do they know? Like, how do they know what needs to be paradoxed? Or is it because since it was always paradoxed, all of their instincts they should just follow because that is just how it always was supposed to happen? See, because that's the, that is the other theory of time travel. Oh, that's another one that I like is like, Every time travel instance was always supposed to happen. So it's kind of like, you know, all of our fates are already mapped out. The interesting thing is that we don't know what they are. Um, so there's like illusion of free will. So they were always going to go back in time. So Hamlet was always going to be copied. But if, right. they, but, but if they had instead chosen to do Romeo and Juliet, then that would have been fine because that was the way it was always supposed to be. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's heady stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. heady stuff. And what they do with it, there, there are also, uh, there's a, a second faction that are out there um, that are trying to stop the time breakers from continuing to um, mess with time the way that they do. And we're told that they are sort of the villains of the piece, or not necessarily the villains, but the ones that don't quite completely understand what's at stake. Yeah. Um, and it seems to me that if you just sat someone down and explained it, uh, that might that might make it easier on everyone. But it seems like they didn't want to do that. Right. What is the deal with the bad guys again? Why, what did they... They want time to go away, because time is a prison. Oh, and so there, because there's this whole thing of like, um, in the, I'm in the second, in the second issue when they have the, uh, the showdown, um, and someone gets blasted away, and they say like, well now they're, they're in paradise now, they're, or I guess it's the first issue, um, yeah. because they believe that, 
uh, when you don't exist in time, well, like your consciousness or whatever goes to uh, the other another place. Well, no, you wind up you wind up existing in all states at the same time. Okay, yeah. So you're basically everywhere and nowhere at once. Right. And is that better than our life, really? We know. <laughs> we, we who are we to judge? Are there places you would not want to be? Well, what does that mean? You exist. So, like, does that mean? Okay, what does what does that mean? What does all states at all times mean? Is there like a state where he's a lamp? Is there a state where he's a butt? Like, or is it just like liquid gas, solid? <laughs> what does state mean? I don't know. Uh, I think it might mean like the general existence of that person in general. So. If you, <laughs> so if you consider a person like, uh, say a wave of energy, right? Um, and once you flatten it, which is what they're sort of talking about here, right? Once yeah. their probability wave is flattened, um, and they exist everywhere and nowhere at the same time, it's sort of, uh, well, I guess, is it like Schrodinger's cat? Right, which is both in and not in the vacuum at the same time, or it's alive yeah. and dead at the same it's time. It's both alive and dead at the same time. But that's also like, I mean, that's, it's and until until it is, okay, yeah, so it's sort of the same idea, uh, and they bring this up in the story as um, electrons. Yeah. And this is something that I recently spoke with uh, Andy Beckerman about on his podcast, Beginnings. Um, they get the heavy oh, science? What's that? Yeah. Um, he had interviewed Fred Van Lenty and, uh, and then brought me on to discuss some of the things that came up in his interview with Fred. Um, oh, and sort of like time travel and superhero science stuff. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that came up was electrons and how uh, electrons can actually exist in two different states depending on how they are perceived or observed. Man. Uh, so electrons can technically be uh, everything and nothing at the same time. And that is the whole, that's the whole theory through which this entire series is built upon, is this, because electrons in and of themselves can be paradoxical, they think, in, in, electrons going through paradoxes create energy, so creating time loop paradoxes spurs more energy for time to exist or something. There you go. Like that. Hey, I figured it out. Hey guys, I wrote this. Yep. <laughs> I um, wrote it. That being said, there are, I, I, there were a few, a few places that I was confused during the story. Um, such as, uh, when, Angela's old self brings her to the time breakers. She yep. disappears off panel. Yep. And then we never sort of find out why or how. Right. And then when we see white hair Angela later. Yeah. Is that in the past or in the future in our timeline? <laughs> our individual right. time. Okay. So can you explain that one more time? <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we need visual aids. Yeah, and, um... Yeah, that, yeah. that was a big thing for me. 
was uh it, it was it was hard to uh hard to figure out what was happening there for me i i was a little uh, i'm not gonna lie i was a little lost and and disappointed that i felt like i didn't get uh, a satisfying resolution to that yeah what do you uh if if we would have to guess nicole no i know i would not guess <laughs> I'm looking at the panel right now and it says you tell me where she is and then it says she is nowhere you can reach her right now Oh yeah, so, so what do you mean? Yeah. So okay. So I it's all it also So yeah, I need visual aids because like it's like if you think of a person's life as a straight line. Yes, um, from their perspective. Yeah, so you have so she is uh traveling in a straight line. She 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 halfway like in halfway through the straight line, she gets uh, taken to the future. I'm turning into Jeff Goldblum. She gets uh, taken to uh, the future and uh, <laughs> lives out her entire life, and then it loops back around to where she then goes back to the past and and gets herself. Um, I mean, she's not dead. She doesn't die. So, so, so old Angela should still be there. But she goes instead somewhere that new Angela can't reach. Can't reach. Now, now, a couple, now don't. Does that mean she went back to her future? Well, what is her, what is her future? Well, nobody knows. Her entire, her entire, her entire life has been spent at the dawn of, of, uh, of creation. All right. Uh, so, I mean, she has like, that's the other thing, like people with cool jobs, Nicole, don't have lives. Yes. These people, these people don't have lives. Also, the dawn of creation is a point in time that they go back to, but it still has enough variation that there is at least three different dates in the dawn of time, right? Yeah. At the end of it is, yep, that the thing. Of, of <laughs> no, no, you need to pick your words, and you need. To, what? I haven't even gotten into the racism or ableism yet. Oh, whoa! <laughs> Jump so there. Jump there. I want to start with the ableism because what's going on? Um, I yeah. Don't make your wise old man a guy who's blind, and you keep referring to the paradox of him being blind but be, having read all the books. <laughs> and like, at least two different times, people are like, "Isn't that a great paradox?" And you're like, "No, it's not." First of all, because blind people are capable, and second of all, because of Braille. Also, lots of other things. Yeah. I just. Yeah, the, the man who can't see and yet can see. Like, is that a trope that we can walk away from, do we think, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... Well, and also, Amy, okay, we also find out, I mean, that is... What's his name, Louis? Yes. Uh, Louis? 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 Yeah, Louis. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we find out that he's the one that started the whole thing. I, I'm cool with that. Which also, which also, hey... I thought I maybe it's because I wasn't following things correctly, but they show you this cutaway to the person that started the Time Breakers, uh, like invented like his old the whole thing of his of his old self coming and him going back and recruiting. I assumed that was Lewis, and I think it might be because I yeah. wasn't paying attention. So then at the at the end when they were like, "Yeah, that was Lewis," I was like, "Yeah, that's what I thought." Yeah, I had assumed that earlier as well. So, oh, I didn't do that. I don't. I mean. I don't, I, well, yeah. We thought it was just him. We thought it was just what was his name, Santiago? 
uh, the, 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 um, the cool looking guy from UV year 2042. Yeah. Who I'm trying to, I'm trying to find that, uh, issue. Um, how, wait, so, so the Angela that we hang out with in the latter couple of issues is the same Angela that, that isn't, that is not, that is, that is Angela after getting summoned, but before doing the summoning? Yes, I think, I think that's what we're meant to think. Oh, wow. I think what happens is, it's meant to be moving chronologically forward from the point of view of Angela Attenborough, who's picked up. The problem is we never see her change her hair, and honestly, if we just saw her change her hair, everything else would make sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so there's, there's like a huge jump in time. Yeah. Uh, between issues two and three. Okay. <laughs> so the first two issues, we're just seeing Angela's origins in the Time Breakers. Okay. And then after that, we're moving forward from there. We see her, I guess that's what it is. Like we watch her go back to see herself. Yeah. I think, I think that you're right. Um, jeez. Okay. So what is the, uh, what is your what is your racism? Oh well, there's all kinds of weird points of just using people from different cultures for like texture and um, uh, exoticness for the yeah. series. Uh, well, because um, what well, in the isn't the fourth like the person that invented the time travel theorem is yeah. Indian? Huh. Is that right? Um, yes, he is from India. Yeah. And so in order to, like, he's like a math genius from India, so they go back in time and then pose as a god Yes. to inspire, to give, to basically, like, explain and give him the theorem that he will yeah. then create. Yeah. Well, here, here's another question I have about issue three. Um, and here's another thing that I don't recall getting answered. Um, Angela's very distraught that she doesn't remember uh, that N'Chaka was killed yes. when she had initially gone through recruitment. Yeah. But why didn't she remember? Because I don't think he was killed initially. I think because they're dealing with the, um, what do they call the other people, the knowers, the know-it-alls? Yeah. I think they're capable of changing time. And I think because they get in with their time done. It wouldn't uh, have been something that happened the first time. Yeah, so in, in the first issue, when they go to recruit Angela, they get, like, they meet up with the other group of time-traveling bandits. Time Who all time have bandits. super soakers. Who all have super soakers charged with crystal time. <laughs> super soakers now with cool crystal time action! <laughs> um, and they end up, they end up zapping away, like, like we mentioned before, they zap away one of the time breakers. Right, aren't yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to explain to people that haven't, who haven't been able to track this 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 hard to find comic down. Um, right. Which, uh, at this point, they're just listening to 45 minutes of us being confused anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what what is the the climax of the miniseries? I mean, one of the, the in the climax of the miniseries, they find the big paradox that they need in order to both uh, stop the big time storm that's erasing all of time from 
the end of time backwards. Right. Except, they, like, one issue before they had proposed a different paradox and then rejected it because it was too easy. Or oh, yeah. I was like, no, no, do that one. Yeah, that well, fine. what was the original paradox that they... Was to make a baby. On oh. The yeah, because Angela falls in love with the hippie blonde dude. Which also has, which also happened in between issues, I guess. And and here's, by the way, first off, when they're in uh, Paradox Pond, I love that they have these suits for which they decided to make a logo. Yeah, I love that. Oh, really? As a little yeah. broken clock on the front of their spacesuits. Oh, that's great. But then also they say if they simply would just take off their suits, the bacteria alone would mean that they created life. They wouldn't even have to have sex, right? By just exposing yeah. themselves to the elements. Yeah. But what happens when the know-it-alls show up? Oh, that's They're a good question. All exposed skin. Oh, yeah. So, because, well, the paradox that they end up settling on is that the Time Breakers decide to just do nothing to, top, to stop the Time Storm, which right. would mean that time was totally destroyed, except... What is the paradox part of it again? <laughs> Part of it is that it's the uh, uh, Gershon, Gershon from the Know It Alls is the one causing time to be erased. Yeah. And by succeeding, if he didn't exist to succeed in erasing time, then time wouldn't be erased. But he did, if he did, okay, if he didn't exist, then he couldn't have succeeded in erasing time so that he wouldn't exist. Right? So he has to in order to erase time so that he doesn't exist. And it's, I, I do I do have to say it is uh, interesting to see even at the very end of that plot, the very characters themselves that are involved in it screaming about how frustrated they are. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I'm on the page where um, one of the guys whose names I don't know, oh, I guess it is Ch Ch Geffen, 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 David Geffen. Yeah, it's David Geffen. But he's like, but that's crazy. If I wasn't born, then I couldn't do it. But if I couldn't do it, then I could be born. But if I, I did it, it's impossible. Here's the major shortcoming of the series. And because it only has five issues. Most of it is five issues of people saying, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> wait, yeah. let me repeat it. And you just keep waiting for them to get the information out so everything can move forward. And I think it is really comparable to planetary. Because there is a lot of that in planetary. Yeah. The is also balanced with adventure and story and context. Yeah. And it's like in this, we never get to take a break from trying to understand what's going on. It what's seems like if you're going to, like, planetary, the, the weird paradoxes of planetary are just a tool that Warren Ellis uses to tell a story, whereas Rachel Pollock seems to be much more interested in the nature of paradox and time travel. I agree. And is more writing about that than actually trying to write a story. Yeah, and it felt like that would work in longer form, but it just doesn't work for a comic book. Yeah, yeah. Or even for a five. Like, if this had been, like, a 60-issue story, which I would say, I would argue, there's enough meat in this yeah. to go for 12 to 60 issues. Yeah. I agree. Um, instead, we get five. Right. I wonder if maybe it wasn't pitched that way, you know? Possibly. Um, right. Well, I mean, Helix didn't last long. I mean... I, like he didn't. It maybe lasted a year, and then they sliced it all. I mean, Transmetropolitan jumped from the Helix line just because it was so successful into just Vertigo, right? Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I mean, we could do some. I mean, could have done some research and see like what the dates of this were. Like maybe this was was supposed to be 
an ongoing and then an issue is, I don't know, three or four. They're like, oh no, wrap it up. Well, oh, hold on. Well, what does the cover say? The cover the first page. The cover the first book. Does it say uh, part one of five? No. So. No, maybe it's entirely possible that uh, that the market just was not successful enough for them to continue with it. Yeah. Yeah, because issue five says five of five. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at all the covers and see. Uh, two of, oh, issue number two says two of six. Okay. Oh, there you go. So issue number one was just it's an ongoing. Issue number two was we're going to get six issues. Uh, right. Issue three was We read a five. Of this copy. Yeah, three of five. So yeah, that's crazy. Interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, what would you guys have done if, um, if you, if you were Rachel Pollock and Chris Weston, what would you have done? I mean, do you think this could have gone? What is issue six of this series? Like, cause it kind of seems like they wrap up the, almost the entire concept in the fifth issue. Part of me feels like you take the page out of planetary and each issue is a different paradox. Yes. And then the overall story is that you're trying to figure out which one of the paradoxes that you keep discovering is the great paradox. But I also need to know where the assignments are coming from. Because there's yeah. this weird thing of feeling like they just know they need to do things. I know we've talked about this, but yeah. a major hang up. Yeah, because that's not, that, that, that might be the, like, that could be a rational explanation, but it's not an interesting story. Like, right. you, yeah. You know, Thinking about it now, now that we've discussed what the public the publication schedule could and would have been on this, right. it makes a lot of sense that it gets more rushed and sort of compacted after issue two. Yeah, um, that's where we have that immediate jump. Sort of like the same way when we were reading Star Trek X Men, it really felt like that was uh, a four issue miniseries that they wound up cramming into forty eight pages. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, um, especially because the pace of issue one is so much different than the pace of the last three issues as well. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this was something that they were <laughs> expecting to just kind of unfold over a longer timeline and, uh, and slowly unpack that. I, I feel I agree with you that this might actually be a lot more satisfying if it were a longer story. Oh, yeah. Um, what about the art? I mean, I think, I mean, we talk a lot about the, the writing. I think the art, I think the art doesn't suffer from the same problems that the uh, storytelling. I mean, I think the art is solid throughout, I think. Yeah, Chris Weston's a really great artist. I mean, he's, he has a very naturalistic style. It's sort of... It's uh, sort of reminiscent of like, uh, especially here, kind of Steve Dillany. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what I was thinking, like a preacher. Yeah, but with like a little more detail to it. Like he likes, um, like Steve Dillon likes clean lines and doesn't want to do like rendering or anything like that in his work. And there's some of that here. And as Weston has grown as an artist too, he does a lot more of that. And it, uh, it kind of, is the same way that like Gary Frank's style evolved. Yeah. In that same way. Um, I think that Chris Weston's style has evolved that way as well. And you can see it start to happen here. Uh, and you know, his, his character work is all clear. Uh, 
there there are a few places where the storytelling is a little muddled, but again, we're working with a time travel story, so yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Nicole, what did you think about the art? Uh, I think we've had this conversation before. I don't love realistic as much as you guys do. Yeah, yeah. I usually gravitate towards something more stylized and less real looking. Yeah. I would. I do. I do think that, like, looking at other comics of 1997, this does not look anything like what Marvel was doing in 1997. Definitely, because a no. lot of Marvel was more, more of maybe. I would like to see what Nicole thinks of like Jeff Matsuda X Factor, <laughs> from like because that's very like very uh, stylized kind of manga influenced. Like most of the X Men books at, at this time were very stylized, were not realistic looking at all. Um, right. So I don't know if that's one of those like DC and Marvel constantly trying to not do what the other one is doing. Um, right. So like Timebreakers look did not look like anything else on the stand in a way. Well, looking at the editor here, uh, the editor was Stuart Moore, who has a, a track record, if I'm not mistaken, of doing a lot of work with like um, British uh, British teams, right? Yeah. Am I right or wrong on that? I'm looking up. I'm looking him up right now. Uh, I'm looking up his like work, uh, and that's not. 100% true. I'm immediately taking that back. <laughs> um, yeah, that's not true at all. Never mind, Matt. Um, another interesting thing to note that I looked up on com- Comic Book DB is that this was the last thing Rachel Pollock uh, wrote for comics. Um, oh, yeah. She did, she did about uh, 20, 25 or so issues of Doom Patrol. Uh-huh. Uh, and then she did 11 issues of A New Gods ongoing, and then this, and then that's it. So I wonder if it, I mean... But I she's also, now here's the other thing about Rachel Pollack, she's actually well known as, like, uh, uh, someone, and I don't know what the actual, like, like astrology and, like, tarot work. Yeah, and also, like, published author, like, she's got yeah. a lot of other... I'm but just, she consulted, she consulted Neil Gaiman on a bunch of tarot stuff that went on in Sandman. Oh. Um, and is highly well regarded in that area. And now that, now that I'm saying that out loud, I'd be curious as to whether or not she consulted when they actually released the Sandman tarot deck. Oh. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder if time, like if see, now we're just going to start writing our own, Theories yeah. like I wonder if her experience with Time Breakers is why she doesn't write comics anymore. I bet. Right? Let's right. start the rumors <laughs> for a 15-year-old series. Let's get it yep. buzzing. Um So I mean, uh how much of Nicole, how much of this how did this measure up to what you were wanting or expecting? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Not uh, ma, uh, I, uh, I don't know. Ting, tang, wah, wah, bing, bang. Right. The thing is, I like everything more, like, after talking about it and then later. I didn't enjoy reading it. Like, that's the truth. Yeah. I didn't enjoy reading it. Um, because they, as interesting as the time travel stuff was, it felt like it got in the way of fun stuff. 
I also didn't care for Angela. Like, I liked Angel, but the Angela who becomes Angel, who's around for the first two issues, I didn't really care Yeah. whether or not she becomes the person she needs to become, and I feel like we don't spend a ton of time with characters. That's the only one you have a shot at connecting with. Yeah. And I didn't feel much for her. Yeah. Yeah, when the other characters along the way are, are killed or displaced out of time, we see the characters react to that event, but as a reader, I didn't really connect because I didn't know them that well. I didn't know the Greek guy was gone. Yeah. I don't know. That's... I mean, I, maybe I'm a... I'm bad with attention sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. But, I mean, it's a really fascinating concept, and it, you know, it makes me wonder why, you know, what could have been... And also, do you know what? I don't feel like I need to know it all. I no. don't need to be here. Yeah, there didn't need to be, like, villains. Right. Yeah, that's true. In this story. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I could see, like, if it's like a Wolfram and Hart type situation, like those type of villains that are, you know, in a longer serialized story, you can have the type of know-it-all people that are, they pop up every now and then. Yeah. But your main focus is just the mission and the paradoxes and... But you mentioned Wolfram and Hart, and I think what's good about them in Angel, and what I didn't feel here from the, the, the know-it-alls, is that at no point did I think that the know-it-alls were stronger, smarter, or had better resources. No, they just seem like hired the thugs. They just seem like dumb hired thugs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in that sense, uh, you know, Wolfram and Hart had all of those things over at Angel Investigations, which is why they were a, a great long, long-term long villain. Yeah. yeah. Right. True. Well, there's no, th- no, there's no real threat. With the exception of killing a character in the beginning, these guys almost never actually succeed. Oh, no, I guess they killed two people. So they never succeed in stopping the Time Breakers, but they do kill some Time Breakers. So I guess they yeah. do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, do we have any other final thoughts on Timebreakers? I mean, I feel like we've we've hit it. <laughs> we scratched um, our heads thoroughly. I felt like I felt like this was a really cool concept that seems like it may have been rushed to completion due to uh, outside factors factors outside of the story itself. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Put that on the... That, that is the pull quote if they ever release a trade paperback of this. Yeah. Well, there you go. Matt yeah. Brentloff Comics said, I feel like it... <laughs> <laughs> outside factors affected the... Yeah. Not the best pull quote. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am glad that we did get to read this. I always like reading... I don't know. Books that time forgot. Yeah. Is that is that a thing? Yeah, especially appropriate. Yeah. Um, Nicole. Yeah. What are you? Uh, do you want to plug anything? Nope. I. Uh, look. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I always like trying to plug. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Plug uh, dibs, which is a web series that you can watch at dibstheseries.com. It'll be going up around the time this episode goes up. Yeah, that's D I B S. Yep. And what all did you have to do with that? I direct it. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Great. 
So if you are interested in purchasing Timebreakers number one through five, you can go to mattandbrettlovecomics.com and you can buy it through Amazon. Amazon Shops. There are people that are selling copies of it. Uh, or you can go to mycomicshop.com and buy it there. They do have copies there. Uh, there will be links to all that stuff in our episode show notes. And remember that any purchase you make on Amazon for literally anything you buy through our online store kicks a little bit of money back to us. A little bit of money back to us. Give it. It's the same price for your purchases uh, with a windfall back to Matt and Brett. Mm-hmm. Everybody wins! Um, while you're at Matt and Brett, lovecomics.com, you can check out some of our back issues, such as today's guest, Ms. Nicole Dressel, and writer Kelly Sudaconic talking about Planetary 1 through 6. Another story with a lot of interesting sort of uh, discussions about high science and time paradoxes. Uh, or a crossover episode with Comic Book Club, where we talked about the Mutant Genesis X-Men books from the early 90s. Ah. Uh, we love hearing from all of our listeners, so please tell us what you think about this or any past episode on our website or Facebook page at facebook.com slash theylovecomics. You can also follow us on Tumblr at mattandbrettlovecomics.tumblr.com. You can find the links to all of our social media presence under the Who Loves Comics tab on the website. Yes, and if you fancy what you've heard here today, please rate and review the show in iTunes. We're serious about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because most importantly, guys, you are our best po- spokespeople. So uh, if anyone's talking about podcasts, if you ever want to turn someone onto the show, please don't let us stop you. The more, the merrier. True that. And as always, thank you to producer Brenner Gieb, who does everything we do not know how to do. I'm going to get him a shirt with that written on it. You are the angel to our Angela. And we mean David Boreanaz to the Neil Gaiman created Spawn character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, great. Uh, thanks again, Nicole, for being back. Thanks for having me. I'm going to make you read Professor Xavier as a Jerk at some point in the near future. Yeah, I will. Um, and then we'll talk about it, and you'll see me cry. Okay. So thanks again for listening, guys. We'll see you next week, and until then, this is Matt. And this is Brett. And we We love, love comics. Oh, we love comics. <laughs> this is the older Brett. You need to go back and do a. I'm already doing the podcast. Older Brett, you can get out of here. You guys like that sonic journey I just took you on? That's great. Oh, God, what's wrong with you? <laughs>